Welcome to the Championship Club podcast. I'm your host, Michael Casey, and co-hosting with me is a man with over 300 Championship Rugby appearances. It's Ben Gulliver. Be sure to check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and head to YouTube to like and subscribe to the channel. Welcome, everyone, to the Championship Clubs podcast. It is season two, and an unfamiliar voice for a lot of you. You might be expecting Michael Casey. Don't worry, he'll be back soon enough. But Dave Rogers here, filling in in the big chair. I've not met a lot of you, but unless you're a supporter of London Scottish or who else? Cornish Pirates, then I probably commentated on one of your games on the live stream. It is difficult second season, second album syndrome, but some things never change. And of course, Gully's back. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Yeah, we're just saying just before we started that I'm a little bit nervous about season two and it's so we don't want to get into that second season syndrome, but really excited to talk about the championship going into going into a full season. Lots of good stories out there again and just sort of spreading some some positive stories from from within the league, which we managed to do in season one, I think. Were you ever more nervous in the second season with a club than you were with the first season? I had that many clubs, I can't remember. So. <laughs> I was going to say, how many did you see a second season with? <laughs> yeah, probably couple, two, three of them, maybe. But yeah, um, yeah, it is, is a is a sort of uh, people do speak about that second season. But I will be all right. We've got we've got some good guests lines up, lined up, and looking forward to get, getting going again. Well, a couple of things before we talk about round one fixtures. Um, what do pre seasons look like for you these days compared to how they used to? Me? Well, yeah, you. I, well, what, well, pre-season didn't look great for me when I was playing, to be honest. So I was, I was always managed to pull a hammy, uh, dip out a bit of pre-season, jump on a bike. But when you retire, you think you can just eat what you want, do what you want, and then you turn up and being tall, you hide it quite well. But I looked in the mirror the other day, looked like a bit of a pregnant snake. So I've got myself, <laughs> got myself, got myself back in the gym this week uh, on the walk bike. So, yeah, trying to, trying to do a bit, trying to keep fit and uh, keep the weight off. Ah, good man. And uh, what about England training squad announced and champ legend Mark Atkinson's in there? And they say this league doesn't produce players. I've got, well, Aki, yeah. So Aki and I joined Bedford uh, the same year. I think it was 2012. And he was the first guy I met. And um, I'm looking at this guy. He's a tall bloke, Aki. And I'm like, geez, mm. he's, he's tall. And he's thinking he's a second row. So I introduced myself. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> Guys killing training, like offloading everywhere. I'm going, oh, I'm fucked. I'm never going to play again. <laughs> <laughs> then turns out he's a centre. But I uh, dropped him a message this week, actually. Like he's he's had a great, like he didn't see it coming. He genuinely didn't see it, see him making the squad. He hadn't had a phone call before. Um, so it's, again, testament to the league, but testament to him, really, because the league gives you a platform, but then it's over to the players, isn't it? So really chuffed for Aki. He's just had a baby as well. So really, really pleased for Aki and, 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 and uh, his family. And at least, you know, he's not a really nice bloke who's really handsome and has the world at his feet. I mean, you know, there are crosses that we all have to bear. Yeah, well, I think well, our guest will probably say in a bit that, you know, Aki's a great from the outside, but he has a, he has a few dark stories, that boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to get him on the podcast to talk about them. Um, so let's talk about round one then. Five fixtures started with Friday Night Lights, Nottingham against Ant Hill. What were your thoughts on the results and what you saw over the first weekend? Well, I had a little prediction last week, um, just before it was like a bit of a pre-pod thing. And I actually, it's the only one I got wrong. I did all right on the others. But I think with, with Craig Hammond going back back there, you know, an absolute legend of the club, um, previous captain, had a lot of experience coaching in, in Hong Kong as well. So he's been on a great journey. And I think with the emotion of with Hamo back and also playing at home on a Friday night, I think, 
I actually thought Ampton might might sneak it, but I think Notts Notts played really well and did a, did a great job on on a very strong Ampton team, which will only get better as we know um, throughout the year once they've they've settled in because there's always a lot of movement at Ampton, sort of you know from my my experience there. So once they settle in, they'll be a difficult team to beat. But great start to the season for Notts because you know there's there's a bit of pressure on them from from external mm. and external people commenting that they may may struggle this year. So great start for for Notts. Yeah. Uh, then we moved on to the Saturday. We've got Pirates against Richmond, Scottish against Jersey, Trailfinders against Hartbury, and then maybe the result of the week, Cov against Donny. Hell of a weekend. Yeah, it's a great weekend. And, you know, Richmond going down to Pirates week one, I mean, that's that's tough for anyone. So I always found out last year. Uh, but Pirates getting off to a good start. They're going to be one of the stronger teams within the league again, as as, as normal. And then we didn't really know what Scottish Scottish were going to be about. And, uh, you know, it's been, they've been out of the league for a year. Some great signings gone in there with champ experience. So, but Jersey, Jersey did a real job on them, and I, I saw some of the highlights of that game, and they just they looked to batter them up front. And you know, it was a great win for Jersey on the road. We said previously that that they struggled, tend to have struggled early on in the season. So Jersey off to a flyer, uh, Ealing doing what Ealing do, but actually Hartbury scoring twenty points against Ealing. You know, that's 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 a pretty good start for Ealing as well uh, for Hartbury. Sorry. So, and then finally uh, the, the game that stuck out before the weekend and. You know, we'll bring bring Alex in in a minute, but it was. Uh, I thought it'd be a bit tighter than that, but um, great, great win for Cov playing at home, and I think it's a good time to bring our bring our first guest in, Alex Ray, who's just just recently moved to Coventry as coach, and get 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 your thoughts on 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 the game from the weekend, please, Alex. Yeah, hey, lads, thanks for having me. Um, no, we were expecting a really really tough game against Doncaster. You know, they had a really good year last year. Um, good friends of our coach Steve Bowden. And I know what a good job and um, he's been doing up there as well. And, you know, they'd recruited pretty well. They've got a young, hungry team. And, you know, we were under no illusions really how tough it was going to be. Um, and probably, you know, the scoreline probably doesn't reflect how tough a game it was. And if you look at that first 20 minutes, you know, we were under the pump. And, and the most pleasing thing was we got in at halftime 10 all. And there was just a nice calm about the boys. And I think they had a real good belief that um, they could go out in the second half and kick on and, you know, fair play. There were some big performances from big players. You know, Ryan Burroughs, you know, week in, week out, you know, always steps up and he led the team really well and put a massive performance in. And, you know, we just grew throughout the game and, you know, the support was terrific. And, uh, yeah, just a really good start. But, you know, as we all know in this league, we've got Amtel away this weekend and this league's got a way of biting you in the arse if um, you get too far out of yourself. So, um, yeah, it's like feet firmly on the ground and, you know, preparing for Amtel. Yeah, Alex. Just um, obviously, you've, you've recently moved up to Coventry. You're you're a cov, you're a Covskin like like myself. Um, yeah. I don't think you ever put put the shirt on as a player. So how was it? How was it for you? You know, being a coach for your hometown club. How how are those emotions? And talk to us a little bit about how how it all came about, if you could. Yeah, well, um, you know, obviously there's a romantic side to sport sometimes, and uh, you know, it, you were probably there, Gully, all them years ago, and you know, everyone used to always say to me don't go to Coventry, you won't get paid. <laughs> and then many years ago, and this is all the John Sharp era, and, um, you know, many years ago. And so as a young player growing up, that was always sort of the advice everyone always said. Um, but, you know, I, I went to Cannon Road as a young kid, you know, them days when it was packed out Cannon Road, you had your school finals, uh, um, playing Newcastle, playing London Irish, and big, big games. So, you know, I do remember then the shed on the far side. And, you know, from a romantic point of view, you know, in sport, there's always that, you know, something nice when there's a homegrown player who comes through and plays for their club or, you know, like me now, a fan must away, so I'm done full circle and I'm driving back through Coventry every morning. But, um, 
yeah, do you know, it, it does make it a little bit more special, I think, when you've got that connection with a city. Um, do you know, it does mean that a little bit more. But yeah, getting back how the move come around, really, it was, you know, it was not on my radar at all. Um, throughout the summer, obviously prepared with Bedford and, you know, signed, you know, been involved in the recruitment with Mike and signed all these players doing that pre-season. And obviously, um, Deeks joined England Ladies um, and somehow conversation got round to chatting with Coventry and seeing, would you know, would I be interested and what have you. Um, do you know, and first thing first, probably from the family element of it, you know, I drive to Bedford three or four times a week, train in the evenings, you don't get home till nine, half nine. And, you know, I've got a young family, you know, my eldest is starting secondary school, my youngest is starting primary school. And, you know, first the thing that appealed to me was, you know, being able to spend them hours with them in the evenings and it's time you don't really get back. So that was a big factor for family. Um, but then you, when you actually sit down and hear of the ambition of Coventry and the plans they've got to develop the site, you know, in the not too distant future, you know, it excites you, you look at the squad. Um, do you know, any sportsman are ambitious. You know, I want to be able to be sold a dream and <laughs> and fight for something year in year out. And you know, do you know what? Do you know why not have, go for something if um, it's there? And yeah, you only have to hear about the plans for the ground. And you know, you stand around, and you look around, and you can actually feel the potential around the place. Um, so yeah, they were big factors. And sorry, I've, I've been jabbling on here, but um, the big thing as well is it was a massively difficult decision. Do you know that conversation with Mike? It was like breaking up with a long-term girlfriend. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't. You know, I was emotional, and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, is tell Mike purely from a friendship based. And, you know, there was tears to be honest afterwards. Yeah. It's, well, you've spent you've spent a long time there as a player and, and as a coach, and you you know you've you put a lot of time and effort into that club. So those emotions are, are real and raw, aren't they? And that's you know, like you say, it almost feels uncomfortable listening to it because I know I know Mike, and I know you know it's. It must have been, you know, you know, 10 deep breaths before you went in there. And, you know, it must have been a tough one, but for the right reasons. Yeah, do you know, and, and I think the way it all came about, and it happened quite quickly. And, you know, I think maybe them reasons got lost a little bit um, along the way. And it, maybe because it was raw and it was emotional for everyone in, in a strange way. And, do you know, I hold my hands up the timing of it was pretty poor, you know, pure. But then again, there was never going to be a good time. Um, and in a weird way, you know, at times, and you have to be selfish at times. And, um, you know, I put other uh, people first, family first. And, you know, I'd stand by that and I'd do it again if I thought it was the best thing for my family. So, um, you know, they're, they're just principles I feel you have to stand by at times. And, you know, Bedford's a fantastic club, got fantastic people. And, and you know, I wish them all, you know, all the best in the future. You two, by the way, have got to be the only people on planet Earth who can describe any story around the city of Coventry as romantic. I'm just going to put that out. Uh, in terms of that that chat with Mike then, um, did he see it coming in any way? I mean, there's there's always so much movement um, between players with, with championship clubs and even players who've been there for a long time. You know, you're always sort of one, one offer or one moment or one life change away from from everything being different and i think that's just something that's accepted as part of the league as it is but but did mike see it coming or was it a shock for for him as much as it was for you in the beginning yeah well if he did he's a mystic because I, I never saw it coming <laughs> to be honest um, so yeah no i never saw it coming and it, you know it snowballed pretty quickly so um yeah you know it was probably even it was such an emotional week that 
yeah, I don't think I've been that emotional, honestly. But like Gully just said, I think it shows you you do care. Um, mm. And they're all things you probably, you know, you'd want in a person, really. You know, you can't help how you feel. And at the same time, you know, it, I think reflecting on a few weeks in, I feel it's it was the right thing to do. Yeah. How's, um, so how have you settled into to life at Cov? I mean, obviously, I've, I worked there not so long ago in, in the community side. And, you know, I, know, I still know a few of the players. Uh, the old man's on sick at the moment. So hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll be back with you guys pretty soon. But um, how, how have you settled into the coaching group? Uh, obviously, came in for, for Deeks, who's been there a little while. And, you know, Skays has been in there for a little while. And obviously, Roland's been, you know, drive, the driving force behind it for quite a long time now. So how, how have you settled into that? And the, is it the full-time environment still there and, and things like that? Yeah, you know, that's another big sell is that full-time environment as well. And, you know, um, I, I've been really impressed with the setup there. I, honestly, until I spoke, I didn't really probably know much about how they run and, and things like that. But I've been massively impressed. You know, they got, you know, Skays, I think, is probably one of the best defense, young defence coaches uh, around. been massively impressed by his work. And, you know, it's great being able to bounce ideas. You know, another young coach, and you know, it almost drives you to be to be better and uh, and things like. That. And also, Ross Stewart, you know, he goes about his job quietly, and I think as a three, we've probably got a good balance um, between three of us. Um, but yeah, you know, I just the other thing I didn't know really until I got there. You know, they're producing a lot of their young own players as well, um, which is mightily impressive as well. Because you know, as a young, you know, as a ten who played the other week, Evan Mitchell, Coventry lad, and. You know, not many teams at the minute are producing homegrown players. Um, Coventry's always been a massive hotbed, as you know, Gully, uh, for talent. You only have to go up back about them sort of clubs and look around the wall and, um, you know, it's littered with, you know, Lions and, and things like that. So, you know, Wasps are on the doorstep, Northampton's on the doorstep, Leicester's on the doorstep, Worcester, they're not all, all going to make premiership players. Um, so for another pathway and a chance to be a professional player and, you know, there's not a one route to get to where you want to get to. So yeah. sometimes there's a different route as well. And you know, that's really impressed me, the community side. They've really got aspirations to build that on and off the pitch, I think. So I've been mightily impressed. And you know, it's like a new kid at school, really. You go in, you know, you don't try and say too much. You, all the language is the same, but it's different. Everyone does the same thing, but it's just a different language. You're yeah. trying to make them connections with people and build them relationships. So you know, it's pretty much head down for a while, but at the same time, you know, you come in, you make your own, try and put your own stamp on a few things without being in everyone's face, I suppose. How do you see your role with those young lads, particularly the, the local ones? Because as you mentioned before, you grew up in that area. You've managed to, to forge a career in, in professional rugby and you've got a lot of advice from all kinds of walks of life in and out of rugby that you could impart on those. So what's your, your relationship like with them and what kind of knowledge are you attempting to impart? Yeah, look, look, I suppose you're first and foremost, a big thing for me as a coach is I want them lads to come and enjoy every day. Um, I think we lose sight sometimes and you, you probably speak to rugby players at times and, you know, they're sapping and they lose sight that it's meant to be an enjoyable job. You know, I know they don't get the rewards that a premiership player may get, but at the same time, you're doing something you love. So, you know, first and foremost, my job is to make sure they're coming in with a smile on their face and they're enjoying the day because at the end of the day, if you come into work and you're not enjoying it, you hear it all the time, do something else. But at the end of the day, it's my job to facilitate. You know, I want them lads to enjoy every day. So that's one of the biggest things. And then, you know, advice, you know, same as Gully. You know, we've, we've done things that are good, that are bad, that you wish, why did I do that? Why, you know, I can't believe I did that, did this, learn over the years. And it's just, you know, it's 
I suppose it's managing people is one of the biggest things, you know, is understanding when someone needs an arm around them. Um, most coaches, I think, at the top level, we all understand tactical, technical. Do you know, if you don't, then I don't know what you're doing there. So then it comes down to people. And I think, you know, like you said, it's just finding time for people really and just giving them if they want advice. You know, some people don't want advice. You know, it's just finding them little down times to, you know, knowledge, you know, little stories here and there and just build them connections. And you've got um, you've got some great senior players in there as well, haven't you? So, you got, you know, Bolts is still rocking, fair play to him. Um, yeah, <laughs> I spoke to him the other week and he's hanging on, but, you know, he's still grabbing through. I said, ride that wave, mate. Keep riding it. it. When it's gone, it's gone. And then you've got Ryan Burrows has been, you know, if you look at it, arguably the best number eight in the league for a long, long time now. And those sort of characters within the squad as a, as a young coaching group it can only be assets to you as a coach and, and obviously the, the team on a Saturday. Yeah, look, one of my first port calls was to ring Ryan Burrows, you know, ring Volk, speak to them boys and, um, you know, just get their ear straight away and get their understanding of the group. And, you know, I've been around long enough that you don't go in there, you know, ripping everything apart because they've clearly been working on stuff. Do you know, Bolts has been so impressive this pre-season, honestly, Gully. Uh, yeah. Do you know, we know Bolts well and, you know, I don't know if he's first. 35 he's been brilliant in pre-season and you know it makes your job a lot easier when you've got Ryan Burroughs Bolts you know every session they rock up they're intense training hard and that's another thing that's really impressed me is the group train the way they train you know and credit to the other coaches and what they've built there but you know training intensity and their work ethic it, is the thing that stood out the most about the group so you know really good foundations are already there really what does a week look like uh, for for the group then, and how sort of intense are you? And in terms of, are all of the lads? Do excuse my my ignorance on this, by the way. Are all the lads full time? Have you got some people who are balancing other careers? Are there sort of stipulations made for them with regards to training? What what is your your sort yeah. of Saturday to Saturday look like? Yeah, we're Monday uh, Monday Tuesday Thursday. We, we've they don't do a team run there. You know, we just don't feel we get the value we want out of it. So we do all our work Monday, um, Tuesday, Thursday. We get in quite early. We're in seven, half seven, and the boys are away by two o'clock. So I think we day quite intense rather than dragging the day out till four, you know, and just loads of downtime. We just get the day done and um, and rip into it, really. Uh, I think also encourage lads. You know, there's a lot of young lads and the academy lads. They come in and train and they're doing college courses as well. Yeah. And that. So, you know, they encourage the lads to do stuff away from the ground as well. A lot of the lads coach, senior boys going coaching in the evenings. I know Ryan Burroughs coaches at Barnsley, you know, Adam Peters at Warwick Uni, Bolts is at Kenilworth. So, a lot of the, you know, and some of them coach the academy boys throughout the day in their downtime as well. So, the academy are always in and around the squad, um, able to train with the boys if we need bodies and lads to join in as well. So, I think it's, it's important for, because we, we talk about, journeys and stories of different clubs and how each model is completely different. So mm. yeah, we had bolts on last year, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see how Coventry run their, run their week. And I think it is of interest to people because if you go down to Hartby, say it's going to be completely different. And that's sort of like, and at Bedford, mate, where you've come from, it's a completely different week to what you've, what you do now. And I suppose it, it comes around about to sort of what position a club is financially in, but also what, where the finances are coming from. And I know, we, we touch on it a little bit, but sort of how how does the the structure of the league, the funding of it, the the, the negative press around it, mate? How, how does that affect you personally, but or or as a club, or is it something that's just we'll just look after our own shit and let's fucking craft on sort of thing? Yeah, you know, definitely from being a newcomer to the club and looking in, they've definitely got a real 
positive mindset around the place. Um, yeah. You know, you Johnson in the background, you know, commercially trying to drive that side of things. And, you know, John and Nick and Roland, they've got the plans for a site they're constantly working on and, you know, meeting developers and, and, and all that stuff. And then, you know, but you speak to Nick and they want to drive Coventry to be the best community club, you know, the best match day experience. And, you know, I think hands on heart, they probably know, like speak to them themselves and, you know, they've not always been there, and but they've got the ambitions to get there, which is important. And I think everyone's driven by ambition, you know, players, you speak to a player, you know, you can sell something on ambition and they get excited by hearing ambition. And you know, sometimes some clubs, it is willy nilly and, and things like, you, you know, you can get sold down the river. I've only just seen rugby lines have folded and, you know, you've seen some guy fake ambition almost. And, you know, it's a sad thing to see, but um, yeah, it frustrates me the league, how people don't see the value in it, you know, massively frustrates me. Like you boys were talking about earlier, you only have to see Mark Atkinson. You know, what, where would, you know, I hope he would have found a route there, but if there wasn't a Bedford for him to go to or whoever, you know, would Mark Atkinson be in an England squad now at the age he is? And, and you'd probably say probably not because he wouldn't have had that opportunity to progress his career. Um, even see things like the sponsorship. Are we sponsored by Green King? Green King? Aren't we sponsored by Green King? I don't know. Yeah. Do you know, and they're just small things. It's frustrating. And I think all these people who sit at the table, a lot of them have got individual agendas. Yeah. So you almost need that independent person driving the league who isn't connected to whatever club or, you know, and he's got his own agenda. And I, I don't know these guys' agendas, but, you know, someone, we need someone who's got the best the league's interest at heart and not their own pocket, not their own club, you know, that sort of thing. I also think it's important to to differentiate that all of these all of these struggles that you have, um, whether they're financial, whether they're to do with sponsorship, whether they're to do with with any of the the many things that that championship players and, and coaches, and as a result, supporters have to go through as well. That doesn't prevent the players from giving it a hundred percent, and the coaches from from being ambitious, and the clubs still trying to build something despite all of the restraints that they're under, despite perhaps not having certainly the financial control that they'd like to or the financial comfort of, of premiership clubs, who, to be fair, you know, you cut your cloth accordingly and I'm sure um, premiership club boards would say that, that they're under financial constraints as well. But that is one of the things that I find incredible about people like yourself, Alex, and all of the people who, who, all of the lads who run out there on a Saturday, is that despite all this, they still play great rugby and you still play a great brand. And it's still, in the main, other than a couple of results in round one, a, a very competitive league. When when you add all of that up and, and put it together, it's quite remarkable, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think you'd hope that all the lads in the league are ambitious, you know, mm-hmm. They're either using the championship for a stepping stone to get that opportunity in the premiership or, or where have you. Um, and same with coaches as well. It's such a great, like you only have to look like there's Lee Blackett at Wasps. Uh, you know, Neil Folks is now at Wasps as well. But this coach, Ed Robinson, you know, there's a pathway there for coaches as well as players. Um, and all these players, you know, some of them, you know, financially, no, it probably isn't going to make them retire. But they're doing something they love and it's an opportunity to one day hopefully be a premiership player. Um, and I think that's really, uh, you know, an important thing. But Gully, can we can we get you in on that? Because I know you're the host of this podcast, but I think your your opinion is as important as anybody's. You spent a hell of a long time 
in the championship. You're slightly removed from it now, but I know that it's still something that, that means a great deal to you. I, anyone who follows you on social media knows that particularly on the player welfare side of things, that is that is paramount, of paramount importance to you. But in terms of the finances, when you hear the news that there are more cuts and there are more changes to the funding, and then we hear Alex saying that, you know, he's got he's got no idea what it's what it's going to mean and, and sort of where the money's going to go and how much that's going to limit ambition. How does that make you feel? What's your opinion on the, the sort of funding situation with the clubs in the league? Well, it, well, the, the initial emotion is it makes me sad, angry, uh, pisses me off uh, that people don't see the value in the league. Uh, and then sort of that's sort of out of the, the club's hands in, in an essence, because it, we don't actually know who runs the championship. And I think that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. It is, it is an RFU competition, yet the clubs are in charge or are they in charge of their own commercial aspect of it? Or is it a, an RFU commercial side to it that can bring bring money in? And then before the season started, there's rumours around sort of streaming deals and things like that. And and who is actually going out there and, and brokering these deals for the league? And the answer is nobody. And that's the frustrating thing because what refer back to Alex and what what I love about the league and what I love about each club within it is they control their own shit. Okay, mm. they look after their own selves and it you know, and they produce most of their most of their books are pretty pretty good. You know, they're not they're not losing masses huge amounts of money, and that you know that that is success in my eyes. So they're running very tight ships on skinny staff, producing a really really good product under a lot of pressure. We've, with funding getting stripped away from them from under their feet, so the resilience in the league is is great, but it just it just seems rudderless, and that's that's the problem with it as a as an organisation. It's yes, in the Premiership, you know, each individual club has its own agenda. That's fine. Each club in a, in a Championship has its own agenda. That's fine. But at, at Premiership level, you've got PRL. Okay, at Championship level, we don't. So it, it does need that independent voice and that independent commercial aspect to it to help it grow again because there is value in it there's clearly value in it um and it's we all we've all spoken about it massively but it is frustrating but the great thing about it is resilient produce a good yeah. product and it produces players and coaches you know it's, it's just a pathway for, for for guys that are ambitious like alex said but also guys that are good some good rugby players in the league, some great coaches in the league. It's just it's just a really fantastic league that's just undervalued. Well, and I think what you've seen with COVID is premiership clubs have had to cut their cloth as well. So the better players, the players they probably would have had in bigger squads before now are, you know, where do they go? So the league, they suddenly filtered arm into our league and, you know, the league becomes stronger and stronger year on year because, you know, prem squad sizes have got smaller again because of COVID and, and budgets and things like that. So, you know, the league gets stronger and stronger each year I've been in it, it's got better and better every year I've played in it or been coached in it. You, you were just talking about the quality of the product there. I've just I've just looked at the scores again from week one. So you've got 36-26, 33-18, 7-48, 54-20, 39-22. That's over 50 points in every game. That's entertainment as well. So if you're listening to this, I mean, you're, you're obviously a championship rugby fan. But go watch some rugby. Go buy a ticket. Go buy some pints at the at the clubhouse. You know, it might only be a small financial contribution, but all said and all's done, that couple of quid you can spend, it's, it's going to make a big difference. You're going to have a really good afternoon or a really good evening if you decide to rock up and watch as well. I fully agree with that. It's like like back playing. You sort of 
you know that you know the grounds you know where there's a there's a good pint there's a good good atmosphere you know you look at like bedford's a great day out cov's a great day out donny you know there's they're all they're all good days out for supporters and you can speak to the players you can speak you know, touch field. there's that more access to to everyone that's involved with the squad and you know premiership's gone away from that a little bit so that's like sort of our little niche that we have in the championship that you can you can get really involved with the club and you, you know really enjoy your saturdays and sundays hmm. So in a perfect world then, then Gully, and I'd like to get you in on this, Alex, just to, to reiterate, the, reiterate the point you made, you'd feel a little bit more comfortable about the long-term future and the sustainability of all the clubs currently in the championship if there was that independent body who could almost represent, almost, almost like a union head, if you like, that could represent the best interests of the club so that they could have a voice and you could at least attempt to build something sustainable work out what you need and then how the clubs go about achieving that yeah i th- i think it's it's paramount to the future of the competition um unless unless something's in the background that we don't know about again communication's not great but i do i yeah. do think we just need that independent body person whoever it is to to help grow the league sustain the league but um ultimately care about the league and sh- you know show it mm. to value and you know i think that's what it's missing at the moment in my opinion and alex is that where you are too or if you've got something yeah. else you'd like to add to that be far away from that either i just think you know it's all good and well you know and the human nature every chairman or whoever from a club is always going to have personal interest at heart you know it's only human to be that way and rightly so these people work so hard to get the club where it's at and you know some of them will probably be scared of you know what could happen and what couldn't happen but at the same time I think they need that individual person um, almost heading up, brokering those deals, um, putting the deals to the chairman rather than, you know, because I think half the time these meetings, I don't think much gets solved at these meetings really um, by the sounds of it. And, you know, it's a shame, like we didn't even have a, lo- a launch day this year. You know, every year, the captain's down at Twickenham with a trophy, you know, and, and that stuff. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not even a launch day. So it, it just makes me laugh a little bit of a minute how devalued the league is made to fail and you know I don't you know like we said the players and everyone look we just get on with business you know it's um we just want to play rugby coach rugby and, and you try and stay out of all this politics of of the game really but you know it's just it's such a shame like even social media is it really driven you know we see champs tries of a week one thing a week really and you have a little bit and bothers it you know I think a league deserves more really mm. yeah I fully, fully agree and I think I think the good thing is as well, it's like, let's not be quiet about it, let's shout about it. You know, that's what this, that's what started, we started this pod. It's just, let's tell these positive stories. Let's really try and build some value in it. And I think if we can just showcase it, showcase it a little bit more, then we are, and we're showing the, the powers that be at the RFU or whoever's up there devaluing it at the moment that we're not going down without a fight. You know, we're, we're going to shout about it. We're going to, you know, we're going to produce a good product and the supporters are going to come in each week and love their rugby. And it's it works. It's a great product. Yeah, and I think, so you, well, sorry, as well, if you look at, you know, everyone uses Exeter as the example, but, you know, I was speaking to James Gay's work and it's, uh, you know, it, it reminds him of a lot of Exeter Coventry at the minute. He said, you know, the way they've built infrastructure around the place, you know, the ground, you know, low priorities between the places and, you know, if, if we all just show up shop and, you know, admit defeat, like you said, you know, we're not, no one's going to do that because everyone's got ambitions and they've put a lot of time and effort into these places. So, you know, you've got to give opportunities for the teams to grow and, and move, really. Yeah. 
100%. So short-term message then, if you're listening to this, you're already a championship fan. Don't just go, bring some mates with you. Then they'll bring some mates and we can grow up from that perspective. Then we're going to get loud. We're going to keep producing a brilliant product. And hopefully next time us three have a conversation, we'll be able to talk about a little bit more progress. But we've got you for a little bit longer, Alex. So let's um, let's try and cheer it up a little bit because... All of the things we're talking about, ultimately, it's because we want the championship to, to be great and to be around for a long time. But it is difficult for us to then not sound like the sappers. So <laughs> let's not sap for the rest of this conversation. And let's just talk about Cov then. I always misword this saying, what is it? One, one swallow doth not make a summer or something like that. Um, you've spanked Donny and going off last season and the way Donny played throughout and no matter where they went they looked like they were going to win and you know even when trail finders were flying they gave them a good game for the for the majority of the time over there in West London so people are talking about Donny as a top team you've given them a good seeing too you've talked about being an ambitious team this season are you going to commit to how well you're going to go or are you going to sit firmly on the fence I'll probably do a typical coach's cliche one day. <laughs> I uh, knew it. No, no. no, no. Fence there, you look. You're actually sat on a fence, aren't you? <laughs> in the woodshed there. Yeah, in the man cave. But uh, no, look, it's a fantastic start. And, um, you know, as a coach, as a group, of course, that's what that's what we wanted. And, you know, I saw a lot of people predicting that, you know, it was going to be a 4-1 Donny win and, and all this. And I was a bit like... Really? I, I thought it was going to be a tight game. And, it, you know, like I said, the score probably got away from them a little bit in the second half, but it was a really tough Doncaster team who come. Um, and for half an hour, you know, they were controlling the game for 20 minutes, half an hour of that game. And, um, you know, then we found our straps and, and, we, and we looked really good. But I, I sort of alluded to it earlier. You know, we're away at Amtil this week. Yeah. You know, Amtil, fair play to them. Um, I've been bitten there before, so... You know, it's hard to get carried away, really, knowing the championship. It's, you know, such a tough league. But, you know, we feel we've prepared really well this week again. Um, and honestly, um, I think the thing about Cobb at the minute is we, we're not making big predictions, but it's a two-year, three-year plan. Mm. A lot of the players have been signed on two-year deals and three-year deals, and, you know, like myself. And, you know, there is a genuine plan in place um, each year to do better than the previous year. So... You know, I don't know, last year they finished fourth, fifth. You know, this year it's like, can we get into that top four? Then the following year is, you know, can you break into that top three, top two? Um, you know, and that's a plan. They've got a genuine plan in place. And, you know, that plan, you know, I talk about them being ambitious and it, the plan matches that ambition. So, you know, it'd be hard for me to say about this ambition and then not say, look, oh, we're a mid-table team because that's completely wrong. And that's, you know, not what I'd be about either. And I'm sure we have the coaches, so... You know, look, we want to do as well as we can, but at the same time, you know, we're almost breaking these blocks down into four-game blocks and little mini leagues and things like that. So, and, yeah. And, just and the side, oh, sorry, Gary, go on. Yeah, I was just going to touch on because I've I've played a four Amptel against Cobb, and there's a real. I know you the Bedford Amptel rivalry is good, but there's a real there's an edge to that game, and I don't know where it's come from. <laughs> But it's it's one one that you'll be it'll be interesting to see how you, you you find it actually this weekend because there's something with those two clubs and I'm not sure what it is that there's a real real edge to that battle and it's you know Amtil have done well over the years at Cov especially out on, at Amtil so it's a, it's a real tricky one for you for anyone going there we all know that but especially after last weekend 
Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Bolt's sort of in a huddle at the start of the week. I was just um, on the outside of it and I heard him mention, like, you know, Amtel Hayes sort of thing. And I didn't really understand that, you know, and now you've sort of reaffirmed that. And, you know, I've done it over years when they're coming up to them with a national one together or... Yeah, that's when I played, when I was in that one with them, yeah. And it was, there was something in the atmosphere when you played them. It was, I loved it, obviously, because you do. Yeah. Right? But I think it's little old Amtel, isn't it, against big old Cov? <laughs> and I think that's yeah. it. But, you know, I probably, you know, we played Nottingham in pre-season and um, she can't read too much of the pre-season, but, you know, I was probably a bit like you. That game resort on Friday probably shocked me a little bit after watching the Amstel Bedford games as well. You know, a lot of points scored and, and things like that. So, you know, knowing Tommy as well, um, you know, her first home game for um, the fans back there as well. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be a really, really tough game and you only have to be off a little bit there when you go there and, you know, they'll capitalise on it and, you know, you let them into the game, they just grow arms and legs as well. <laughs> I love that. So we're, we're, we're back into effectively, you know, a, a sort of longer season that you're going to have to prepare for. Very quickly, what did you think of the truncated season last year? I think after, uh, was there going to be a season? Wasn't there going to be a season? You know, I was just so chuffed to have my Saturdays back um, going to games and you know, more so for the players because I don't, I don't know if people really truly understand how mentally tough that was um, for people involved in them clubs. It was incredibly like, mentally challenging. Like, you know, people got out of people's mental health. There was lads not knowing if they were going to have a job um, from one yeah. week next. And, you know, the toll it must have took on them. Like, you know, I can only speak for the Bedford, but we had 12 players coming training and trying to keep them lads motivated. You know, a credit to the boys themselves and also all the, you know, coaching staff up and down the country, who, you know, because you're probably privy to a lot more, privy to a lot more information than the players. Um, behind the scenes, you know, and you're trying to put a brave face on sometimes, and you're not sure, you know, what's going on. And then the meetings would change from one to the next, so it was an incredibly tough time. And you know, just to have a season, I think was, you know, was amazing really. And I know there wasn't fans there, and you had red zones and all things like this, but you know, just for lads to be able to play rugby, I think was was really good. And then to have the fans back in the last game of the season was, you know. It might have been 2,000, 4,000, but it, you know, it was incredible, really, to have fans back. So, um, yeah, you know, I feel lucky and privileged to be able to even have that 10-game season, really. And moving forward then, a full season with fans, with a little bit for those fans to be excited about now. Um, have you got a message for those, not just fans of your club, but for the, the fans of the league who are listening as well? Yeah, I think just go and enjoy every Saturday, really. You know, um, it, like we spoke about already, it's such a great league um, and a great product of rugby. And, you know, come winter, you know, it changes a little bit. But again, that's that's rugby, isn't it, really? That's part and parcel of why you go and watch, you know, Pirates in, in the mud on a on a late December afternoon. Uh, you know, it's it's brilliant, really. And you've got them singing their hymns in the in the marquee after. It's amazing, really. And it's unique. And just enjoy it, I think, for what it is. And don't, I think sometimes we all try and wish things to be something else. Um, and I think just embrace the league for what it is. Perfect. Certainly. Gully, uh, any any message for the millions who are listening before we head off? <laughs> millions. <laughs> I don't feel like, no, just, it's just good to be back. Genuinely, it's nice. Um, I've missed it. It's nice chatting to a -Ray. Me and a -Ray had lots of battles over the years as, as players. and Good you know, one. Yeah, never always saw um, eye to eye, but it's nice. I 
<laughs> who who won the battles? That's all I want to know. About 50 50, I reckon. Eh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, you know, this is, you know, I, I, I love doing this. It's great to be able to talk about, about the league positively, having put a lot of effort into it and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and operations and all that shite that you, you do as a player. Um, but really, really enjoying talking to A Ray and, you know, chewing the fat, getting his, getting his views from the ground of, of, of a current coach and, you know, really appreciate you talking about your move from Bedford as well because it's, it's you know that's it's a really emotional time for you and I appreciate you you sharing that with us and you know really looking forward to season two um, I think we've got off to a good start today and like wishing wishing everyone good luck at the weekend all the players the supporters just go and enjoy your rugby go and enjoy some champ rugby and uh, get on a beers really <laughs> <laughs> yeah I see we Set the bar low with your first guest, so it should be good going forward, lads. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, that seems like a good place to draw the curtain down. Alex Ray, thank you for joining us. Gully, always a pleasure. And thank you for having me as well, filling in for Michael Casey, who will be back. And we will be back throughout the season. Quick rundown of the fixtures this weekend. It's uh, Donny v Scottish. Both teams looking for their first win of the season. Hartbury versus Pirates. Then Reds v Blues, <laughs> which I've written down here, Battle of the Primary Colours. I'm not sure that's going to go on all the marketing. And then Richmond versus Nottingham. And of course, Amptill versus Cobb. Good luck with that. Although I can't say good luck, Alex, because then it shows like favouritism. But you're here and they're not. So Good luck. Um, if you want to scratch your midweek rugby itch, then on Wednesday, Buck Super Rugby kicks off. And as you well know, the champ is littered with lads who've come through the uni pathway. And Cardiff Met versus Durham will be live. 7.30 kickoff? Just look for it on the internet and, uh, and I'll be down there. So that'll be a great one. But what, when are you doing these, Gully? Is it every two weeks during the season? Yeah, we're looking to have bi-weekly. Uh, um record on a Thursday so yeah there'd be lots of content going out with it being a truncated season last last year we could we could do it weekly but we've all we've got a busy schedule so we're just trying to trying to get it out there you know every every two weeks if possible and we're also looking for a bit of sponsorship so if anyone was willing to dip in that would definitely help with production costs you have just answered a question there I've always wanted to know if bi-weekly means twice a week or every two weeks and you've just told me it means every two weeks and so that is all from us thanks for joining us on the Champs Cup Rugby Podcast keep your eye on the socials for all of the updates and of course Gully's team of the week but until two weeks time goodbye that was the Championship Club Podcast with Michael Casey and Ben Gulliver Check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe and like our YouTube channel.